Well, if we haven't met, if you don't know who I am or you weren't here the last time I spoke, which was a lot of you because it was Father's Day, and I guess you're with your fathers, I'm not sure. Uh, my name is Grant. I am the middle school pastor here at Rocky Peak. And, and for whatever reason, Kelly trusts me to speak to college people. So here, here I am. That's a big ask. And I just want to say, because I've heard Kelly say this before, hello, everyone that's on YouTube right now. Which is probably Kelly himself, because he's going to be watching this later. So, hey. Hey, buddy. Um, so, here's the thing. So, I feel like every single time I'm asked to speak at, at SOMA, um, I always struggle with what to talk about, even though they kind of give me like a broad, like a, well, kind of like a, a generalization of what I'm supposed to talk about. And so, I was kind of thinking one day about what to talk about. And I had this problem, which makes me fit in really well with middle schoolers, but I'm like super ADD. And I get bored really easily. And so I was at my house, and I was, I was bored, and I just started looking at my hand. Like, I don't know why I did that. I was just like, mm, my hand. Because have you ever looked at your hand, and it's like has all those, like, cool lines, and you're like, you wonder how they got there? Well, I was looking at my hand, and on my hand, uh, yeah, you're like, no, actually, I don't. Uh, <laughs> just me. Um, but I was looking at my hand, and there, I noticed that there was this scar that's on my hand, like right here. And, and I, I don't really pay attention to it, but... I started laughing because I remember the time um, when I got this scar. And I was like 10 years old, and my, I have a brother who's a year younger than me. His name's Aaron. And Aaron and I, we fought all the time. And I was like a kind of a bully. He was, his growth was stunted when he was um, like a newborn baby because he got pneumonia as a baby. So he was really tiny, so he was easy to kick around. And <laughs> I'm just being truthful. And, and so we always would fight, and since we were like a year apart, we, we always fought over everything. And so one day, Aaron put his face on, he was on the outside of the house, I was on the inside, and he kept putting his face onto the window, and then he would like say, I bet you can't hit me. Well, naturally, being the older brother, I was like, oh, really? And so I would, I would kind of get close to the window, and I would turn the other direction, and when he had put his face on it, I would go, boom, and hit the window, and he would move his face. And then I would kind of do it again. He would, get, he would, like, keep it on the window longer. And then I'd go, boom, and he would move his face. Well, one time I was like, you know, I'm sick of this. I'm just going to end this right now. I don't know what I thought was going to happen, but whatever. And so he put his face on, on, on the window, and I went, boom, and my hand went through the window like this. And I remember, have you ever, like, done something? Maybe you hurt yourself or something. And you tried to cry, but nothing came out. Like, babies do that a lot, right? Where they're like, for minutes sometimes. And then all of a sudden, from like the back of their throat, you hear a, and it gets louder, like a siren. Well, that's what happened to me. I looked down, and this flap of skin on my, my hand, I went, ugh, ugh, I started bleeding everywhere, and I could not make a sound. I was like, Ugh. and so that, I, I feel like my parents knew nothing about stitches, and so they didn't give me any. Um, so, my mom was the type of mom where she's like, are you dying? No. Then you're okay. Just put the skin flat back over and then put a Band-Aid on it. So I did. I did. I didn't get any stitches, and it took a long time to heal, uh, but I had, um, I had, I had the scar as a, as a constant reminder of how stupid I am. Um, <laughs> but as, as an ADD guy, I started going, oh, man, 
this is awesome, I've got a scar. So I started looking around, like my hand and my arms for other scars, and I found what could be the weirdest, the weirdest two scars ever. I looked at my thumbs, and no joke, it's on my own hand, but I never realized this. I looked at my thumbs, and I have two scars on my thumbs, right in the middle, one on this thumb and one on this thumb, and I could not figure out where it came from. I'm like, what did I hit at some point? And then I realized these scars on my thumbs for when I was a, well, not a baby, but kind of a baby, and I sucked my thumb. And I sucked my, th- you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> Some of you are doing the math. Like, what, your teeth come in at how old, and you suck. Okay, I was a little older than I probably should have been, right? But I sucked my thumb after, after I started teething, and so I have scars on my thumb from back when I was a baby when I was teething, and I thought that was really weird. Because what's weird about it is I can sit here years later and I can look at my thumbs and it's a constant reminder of something that happened to me a long time ago. Back before I even had any thought of really much of anything. And so I started thinking about this idea. You guys, um, you started a series two weeks ago and, and what Kelly basically talked to you guys about was filtering everything through this one question, which is, is it wise? Right? When you have choices to make, when you're going through life, constantly asking yourself, is it wise? And what I started thinking about with these scars is, just like we have physical scars on us that are constant reminders of things that we've done in our past, we also have emotional scars. Right? And there are things that have happened to us throughout our life to this point that have left these lasting emotional scars. When we get in certain situations or certain things happen and we have to make choices, a lot of times the filter that we filter things through on the decision process that we make is filtered through these scars and this past history. And so what I want to talk about today is something that may be emotional for some of you guys. And it's this idea of scars in our lives. And it's this idea of starting to think through, do you have scars in your life that are keeping you from making wise choices, right? Because what happens is it's easy for some of us to say, okay, I have a decision to make. Is this a wise choice? Is this what God wants me to do? But for some of you, the choices that you make are a result of things that you're dealing with from a long time ago, and you can't seem to move past that. And so that's kind of what I want to talk about tonight. Now, what I want to start off by doing is really kind of separating um, the pain and these scars into three different categories, because I think everyone deals with pain um, and, and troubled times in different ways. Um, and the first one is this. Um, we all deal with stuff that other people do to us. Right? There are things that happen to us that are completely out of our control. Things that people say, way that people treat us. And it's completely out of our control. But what happens is these things, even things that you may think are super small, they start adding up. And, and they can have tremendous impact on who you are and the decision processes that you make. And so I started thinking about in my own life, like, what things have other people done to me that affected kind of the decision making that I made even when I was in college? And so I kind of started thinking about when I was a kid, um, you know, when I was a kid, I looked like Chunk from the Goonies, right? <laughs> Which, let me just say, when you're in... <laughs> When you are in middle school, looking like Chunk from the Goonies is not popular. Um, luckily, now I look like Paul Blart, and he's, he's famous, so it kind of helps me out. But, um, 
But I look like I look like Chunk, and I specifically remember there was this one kid. It was even before I was in middle school, when I was like in fifth grade. There was this one kid that would always make fun of me in school, and he'd always be like, "Oh, you're fat, you're fat." And I remember just it really got to me, right? When you're a kid and people say that kind of stuff, like it really gets to you, and so it really got to me. But what I didn't realize was it affected me way more than I thought about at the time. Because what ended up happening was just the fact that that one kid would always say those things about me, what it started doing was it started messing with the way that I viewed myself. And so I started looking at myself as somehow not being good enough. And that carried on into middle school. And when I got in middle school, I remember feeling so insecure all the time. And what that insecurity did was that insecurity led to anxiety, right? Because I was so insecure with myself and how I thought I looked, I started getting anxiety. And so I would go to like a public place, like a big public social place, and I literally thought everyone was looking at me. And you know, when you're in middle school and you get like a pimple, right? You don't want people to look at you. When I was telling the middle schoolers not long ago about how when I was in when I was like in eighth grade, I, um, I was on student council. And the only reason I got on student council was because that's where all the pretty girls were. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go be a student council. <laughs> and then I realized you have to do stuff. And I was like, mm, this isn't fun. Um, but we had this district student council kind of like this event. I'm not, still not sure exactly what you do there. I guess you just talk about student council type stuff. But that is where like my friends had said, dude, that is the place you have to go because all the cute girls from the dist- other district, like the district and other schools, they're all there. And so I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> now, keep in mind, I'm insecure, all right? So not a good combination, right? But when you're insecure, sometimes you don't think about it until you're actually there. And so I'm like, oh, yeah. Well, I woke up that morning, and I had a pimple, a gigantic zit right here, <laughs> right on the fr- like. And here's the deal, and, and I know some of you are going to totally understand this. You know when you have a pimple and you think you can take care of it? You're like, all I got to do is just squeeze. And you're like, don't. You're like, and you have like this voice, like, don't do it. You'll just make it worse. I'm like, whatever, voice. And so I squeeze. I was like, Aah! nothing, except for the fact it got huge. It was like mocking me, Right? Every time I tried to take care of it, it was like bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? But I couldn't stop. I was like, don't touch it, Grant. You only have an hour before you have to leave. And I'm like, no, no, it's bigger. And so I went to this student council thing. And, of course, my insecurity set in. And I'm like, great. Now I look like Chunk and I have a gigantic pimple on my forehead. And so I'm walking around and all these pretty girls are walking by. And I'm like, oh, they're looking at me. They're totally laughing at me. Now, they may have actually been laughing at me, but who knows? And we sat down, and this is totally true. We sit down, and we had this motivational speaker who was talking to us. And he gets up, and he says, Hey, kids, how you doing? My name's, uh, my name's Dan. I'm a motivational speaker. And today I'm going to tell you a story about this one time I had this big pimple on my forehead. It's like, are you kidding me right now? So the whole time, I was like, no. (laughs) I was so scared. And then I walked around. I I literally was like, I'm not even, I'm not even, I'm just going like this the whole time. And so I walked around like that. 
And then I knew people probably were like literally staring at me. But I was super, super, super insecure. And here's where it really got to be a problem. When I, I see, I grew up in a smaller town, and so I could kind of keep this insecurity and this anxiety. I could kind of take care of it because I got to the point where I knew everyone, right? So when you know people, you kind of, you start feeling more comfortable with people. And so when I was in high school, I tried to excel at everything because when you're super insecure, what you try to do is you try to perform and do things to make yourself feel good enough. And so I got good at everything. I was in, on the debate team. I was class president every year. I was all these different things. I was really good at sports, surprisingly. And I did all these things, and I, my self-esteem kind of got in check. But when I went to college, it messed me up. Because I went to college not in my hometown because my hometown didn't even have like a Walmart, right? Like, so I went to a gigantic university that was like six hours away from my hometown. And I remember the first day of school going on this campus and I didn't know anyone. And my insecurities hit an all-time high. And I remember I felt super insecure and I felt super anxious and it scared me to death. And I became afraid to do anything. I became, I became afraid to meet new people because I thought they were going to reject me. I became afraid um, of every class that I had because I was afraid I was going to fail. Um, my People kept saying, hey, you want to come out and, and join this club or do, or do this or meet new people? And I was like, I don't want to do anything. And I literally, I would come home from class and I would sleep until dinner. I would eat dinner. I would go back to my dorm room and then I would like just watch TV until it's time to go to sleep. I didn't want to do anything. And I didn't know how to get over that. And I ended up transferring to another college because I thought, well, maybe the reason why that I don't like this college is because I just don't, I, I don't, I'm, like, I don't, I feel this way is because it's college. And so I transferred to another college and I had the same feelings there. And it, and, and, and it never got better for me because what ended up happening was my insecurities affected my anxiety and my anxiety affected my decision-making process. And I started reading, reading into things. And so my decisions stopped being based on what is wise. And my decision process became, how do I not feel this way? And there were so many opportunities that I missed out on when I was in college where God could have used me to do awesome stuff. Because I made unwise choices. Not because I just wanted to make those choices, but because I was so anxious because I was dealing with these scars inside. You know, my scars were, hey, somebody made fun of me. But for some of you, maybe you're dealing with scars um, of bullying. Maybe you're dealing with scars of abuse. Your scars may be way deeper than mine. And I know a lot of people, a lot of college people, who maybe you were abused or you went through some stuff. Or maybe you were in a relationship and it was crappy. And because of that, it affects how you view future relationships. It affects how you view church. It affects how you view um, friendships, everything. Your decision-making process is completely directed by these really horrible things that have happened in your life. Things that other people do to you. And there's nothing that you can do about how people treat you. The second thing is things that, stuff that people, that you do to yourself, Right? These scars, these emotional scars that you have in your life because of things and decision-making processes that you have made. Maybe it's, maybe it's things that you've looked at. Maybe you're the person in the relationship that messed up and caused somebody else some, some heartache. Maybe you're the person who made fun of other people. Maybe all that kind of stuff. But it's things that you did to yourself 
problems that you got in, situations that you got in that you cannot move past because it's just, it's tons of regret. And so when you, when you come to church and you hear about mercy and grace and forgiveness, what that, what that does to you in your brain is you think, I'm not good enough to be a Christian. Who am I to tell people about Jesus? Who am I to worship 100% to God? Because you're thinking, man, I know who I really am. And for some of you, maybe that's you even right now. Maybe you're dealing with some sort of sin problem that you can't seem to move past, and it's built up these scars in your life. And it's things that you have done to yourself. Maybe it's like stuff like an eating disorder. Maybe it's like drugs, alcohol, a ton of other stuff. You guys know what's out there. But it's things that you've kind of done to yourself and you've kind of said, you know what? I, I have so many scars. I have messed up my life. God can't possibly use me. And it, and it affects your decision-making process. The third thing is this. It's stuff that's done naturally. And by that I mean accidents, death. Maybe you had a loved one who, who died tragically. Or even maybe you had a loved one who didn't die tragically. You were just really connected to them and, and something happened. And maybe... Maybe that happened and you kind of thought, man, is God real? Would God really allow this to happen? And so these things that it's not that somebody did something to you or you did something yourself. These things just happen and maybe you're, you're filled with bitterness and, and, and you just hate God for it. And that affects who you are and the things that you do. And here's the deal. If that is you, you've got to acknowledge that. You've got to get rid of that. Because here's the deal. If you let your scars keep you from being who God wants you to be, you're going to live a really sad life. And you're not going to have the joy that God created you to have. And so the questions are this. Okay, if you know you have these scars in your life, for whatever reason, how do you get rid of that? How do you begin this process of asking yourself, hey, is this wise? But know that there's not something else going on that's affecting this decision-making process. And the first thing is this, you have to deal with it. You have to deal with these scars in your life. So the question is, okay, if you have to deal with it, what do you do? How do you begin to deal with these things in your life that are really causing crazy amounts of, of anxiety and insecurity? Because here's the thing, I've talked to so many people, not just middle schoolers, but college students, adults, who deal with crazy amounts of anxiety. It's a huge thing, and it's a huge thing that most people don't deal with. But it affects a ton of stuff that you do. And, and so how do you begin to do that? Well, the first thing is this. You admit when you're hurting. You admit that, you, that you're dealing with this. And this is like the, that's like honestly the hardest thing for me. Because when you begin to admit that you have problems, when you admit that you have these scars, when you admit that you're dealing with insecurity, when you admit that you're dealing with anxiety, you make yourself vulnerable. And what you're basically telling people is, I'm not as strong as I want you to think that I am. And that is a super hard thing to do. And it was super hard for me because I feel like, especially when you're insecure, right? Because when you're insecure, the way that you combat that, combat that is to make people think that you're not insecure. So being vulnerable is not a very easy thing, right? And even for me as a pastor teaching this right now, it's hard for me to be completely vulnerable to you, right? Because I have to admit that I had a problem and I still struggle with stuff, right? But you have to get to that point where you admit that you're hurting. In Jeremiah 6, 14, it says you can't heal a wound by saying it's not there. You can't heal a wound by saying it's not there. Can you imagine if, like, someone, like, ripped their arm off 
and was walking down the street like, oh, and you're like, what is going on? Nothing. I'm okay. I'm like, what? Clearly you're not. No, I'm okay. Have you ever known somebody like, not, not with the arm ripped off, but have you ever known someone who like they refuse to admit they're hurting? You know, like something happens to them and they're like in extreme pain. Dude, I think we need to go to the hospital. No, I'm okay. No, dude, you're not. You're bleeding all over my carpet. No, I'm cool. Just a flesh wound. <laughs> and thank you. But, but that's what people do. Like some people are just super hard-headed and they don't want to admit to anyone that there's a problem. Right? You have to admit that you have a problem in order to solve it. The second thing is this. You have to get the right help. You've got to get the right help. Now, notice I said get the right help. I feel like there's a lot of people who, the people when, when they're in trouble, when they're dealing with stuff, the people that they go to are people who are dealing with the exact same thing. Or they go to people who don't have their best interest in mind. Right? Or, let me give you a for instance. Girls, if you're dealing with certain issues, do not go to the guy you think is the cutest. All right? Because I'm going to be honest with you, there are some guys that are out there that will try to take advantage of you. And they will pretend to care about you, and they will be really excited to counsel you. But then what they will do is they will take what you're dealing with, they will manipulate it, and they will use you. So if you're dealing with bad relationships, don't go to a guy, okay? I'm just telling you this. Unless it's a guy that you've known for ages and you know that he would never take advantage of you. All right? Guys, don't try to take advantage of girls. Stop being a creeper, okay? Please, stop creeping. It's okay, girl. It's all right. Let's go to, let's, let's pray and go watch Left Behind at my house. Jeez. <laughs> Happens. Happens. <laughs> so true. Uh, <laughs> let's be prayer partners. My spiritual gift is speaking in tongues. That's a joke I always wanted to say, but I never could because I was in middle school. <laughs> I speak to college. I'm like, in my head, I'm processing it. Like, is that inappropriate? Who cares? Let's go with it. Um, <laughs> let me just say, if you were offended by that joke, I only said it because the scars in my life. Um, really messing with me. It's, it's a problem. It's a problem. It's a problem. Uh, but anyways, but here's the deal. Find people, find people that, are, that, that you say, you know what, this person is growing in their faith. This person is going to give me um, good advice. Because the honest truth is, even people, even if it's not like that creeper situation, there are people out there that will give, will give you really bad advice because they don't know what they're talking about, right? Like there are people out there who, who like, like when it comes to relationships, if you say, hey, you know what, I'm really struggling with this. Like I don't know if I should, um, if I should date this person, they're going to be like, oh, no, you guys are cute together. You should totally date him. You guys are like The Bachelor, only better. Like, what? Like, and clearly, he's like, he's like, 
Azal girl. You're like, oh my gosh, don't say that. It's not, not good people. But, but here's the thing. Just be careful who you talk to. Um, in Proverbs 12.5, it says, The plans of the godly are just. The advice of the wicked is treacherous. If you go to the wrong person for advice, if you're trusting the wrong person, they can make a bad situation worse. If you're dealing with these scars, especially if they're scars um, that are kind of of a nature that you really don't want everyone knowing, be careful who you tell. Right? Don't go to somebody who's known for gossiping to tell them, right? Because you're going to be, don't be surprised when everybody else finds out about it, right? Just be careful who you go to. And for some of you who maybe your anxiety is to, is to a crazy point, maybe the right kind of help is even professional help. Maybe for some of you, you need to find a Christian counselor who can walk you through maybe why you're feeling these way, this way. Maybe who can walk you through, here's some steps that you can take to, to kind of defeat this anxiety in your life. But what happens when you start talking about professional help, you start dealing with people who go, there's no way I would ever do that because that's embarrassing for some reason, right? But for some of you, you need to understand if you're ever going to move past this, for some of you, maybe you need Christian counseling. And if you don't know where to go for that, because most people don't, right? If you don't know where to go for that, um, talk to one of the leaders in here, and they'll go, we have a list of Christian counselors here at Rocky Peak. That we, that we can say, hey, you know what, we recommend these people. And so if that's you and you're like, you know what, I really have been dealing with this. Um, I've been making really poor decisions because of things that happened in my past or things that are happening now, mistakes I've made, things that people have done to me. Go get help, right? You've got to learn how to find the right people to help you. And the third thing is this, and this is a, this is a really hard one. You need to let God have it. For some of you, you need to not only forgive other people, but you need to forgive yourself. And that's the hardest thing. Forgiving other people is like the hardest thing, especially if you've gone through some pretty tough stuff. Especially if somebody has really hurt you. Especially if it's like stuff like abuse type stuff or a past relationship where someone really, really hurt you. You've got to forgive that person. Does, does forgiving that person mean that you're going to run into their arms and go, I forgive you, I love you? No. A lot of times that's not what it means. You don't have to be best friends with that person, right? It doesn't mean that if you had a bad relationship, you're like, I forgive you. Let's get back together. That's not what it means, right? Even if the person suggests that, oh, well, now we're forgiven. Let's get back together. You're like, no, that's not what that means. What it means is you get to the point where you forgive people. And you don't, and forgiving someone, there's this misconception about forgiving people. Some people think that when you forgive people, you're acknowledging that it didn't hurt you or that it wasn't a big deal. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is saying, you know what, you hurt me, but I'm not going to let what you did to me affect who God wants me to be. There's a difference. For some of you, you've got to forgive yourself. You got to understand that when you say, God, forgive me, that God forgives you. And he doesn't, he's not holding it over your head. And for some of you, you don't know how to forgive yourself. You've done things that you're ashamed of, and you don't know how to drop it and move on. And you keep holding on to that. And every time you think about yourself, you think about yourself as something less than who God wants you to be and who God says you are. And you need to move past that. You need to forgive yourself. You've got to let God have it. In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, Give all of your worries and cares to God, for he cares about what happens to you. 
you know, if you go, sometimes I just like to, like if I'm dealing with, the great thing about the internet, honestly, is that back in the day when you were dealing with certain situations, it was like you had to find a book, you know, or whatever, like, or try to find, like, individual verses. You were like, it was a hard thing to do. Now you've got Google. And sometimes I like to Google, like, um, Bible verses about forgiveness, Bible verses about God's love. And usually the first site that pops up is this site called Open Bible. And it has like a million different verses about that. And for some of you, what you need to do, I wish I had it here with me, but I don't. But what some of you need to do is you need to go Google Bible verses about God's forgiveness or Bible verses about God's love. Write all of them down on a computer and then print them out and put that by your bed or on your mirror. So that every time you are tempted to be down on yourself and to let Satan get a foothold in your life for these scars in your life, you look at that and you're reminded about all the verses that God says about how he loves you, how he cares about you, and how he forgives you. Go do that. For some of you, you have to be super aggressive. If you want to move past these problems, you've got to actually take hold and start moving in that direction. God loves you. He cares about you. You have to give it to God. So you deal with it. Those are ways to deal with it. The second thing is you have to use it. And here's what I love about Rocky Peak is there are so many people that have been, since I've been here, and I've only been here like four months, there are so many people here that are open and honest about things that they struggle with. And what I love, even uh, last week when we had our baptism service, there were so many people whose testimony was, hey, you know what? I was living for God and I got off track. And I got involved in all of this stuff but I'm a son of God, I'm a daughter of God, and God's forgiven me, and I'm giving my life over to him, and I'm gonna rededicate my life to him. Or I'm giving my life to him for the first time. People were using the stuff in their life, the scars in their life, the bad stuff in their life, they were using that to be a testimony to other people. And that's one of the things I love most about ministry, um, is that I get to use all the scars in my life to help other people. I feel like over my lifetime, tons of things have happened to me that have been super hurtful. My parents got divorced when I was 27. Like, you, when you get to be 27, you're like, oh, my parents can be married forever, and they, they weren't. And I remember going, man, God, this is so horrible. And it created a little scar in my heart, but here's the thing. Now I get to talk to middle schoolers whose parents get divorced, and I get to say, hey, you know what? Here's how I dealt with that. Here's how God can use that. And so God uses my story, my scar, to help someone else. And for some of you who really have these scars that you're trying to really work towards, you can use that to help other people who dealt with those same things. Because here's the deal. Satan, you understand, I was telling the kids today, uh, the middle schoolers, is that I feel like people have like this weird view of Satan, right? A lot of people, they think of Satan as like the, the red spandex dude with the pitchfork who's like, hello, right? Like, you know, and it's like, that's weird. And, or, so, or, or it's like the opposite of people who are like, they think of Satan like this monster that comes in while you sleep and is like, I'm going to bite your face off. And like a monster. And it's, he's not like that. The Bible is very clear that he is like this manipulative thing. And he tries to manipulate you. And what Satan wants to do is Satan wants to mess you up. And if you are a Christian, Satan's main goal is to make you feel worthless. His main goal is to keep bringing up these things in your life, bringing up these scars, have it be a constant reminder of how horrible you are. 
He wants you to feel insecure. He wants you to have anxiety. He doesn't want you to give it over to God. He doesn't want you to use it. He wants to mess you up so you are completely useless. Because that's all he can do to you once you become a Christian, is make you useless. Do not let him win. Stop letting him win. Here's what I love about God, is God is like the ultimate poker player. Right? Right? It's like, like, you know, it's almost like in those poker games where somebody goes, they're like really cocky and arrogant, and they're like, look what I have. I have three aces. And then he goes, boom, sucker, royal flush. And it's like, oh, no, and the guy loses all his money. It's like, I hate this world. Like, that's how I view God, right? It's like Satan is like, oh, yeah, I just messed you up. I tempted you, and you fell for it, and you had all these problems, and now you've got anxiety, and you won't do anything, and you're insecure, and, and God's not using you. This is so awesome. And then God goes, oh, really? <laughs> and he works in your life, and then you start helping other people who are dealing with the same thing. You turn what was a horrible situation into a positive situation, and Satan's going, are you kidding me? I love that. Because here's the deal, there's been sometimes, I'm a weirdo, okay, I'm just telling you, there are sometimes, like, I am a super competitive person, and there are times when I will be in my room, and I will be like, Satan, you a sucker, like, like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, oh, thought you got me, huh, guess what, five kids accepted Christ because I told them my testimony, what, like, I love, like, it's one of the reasons why I love ministry, because I love annoying Satan, I'm like the most annoying person. I've taken my annoying sense of like competition and I'm like, guess what? Oh yeah, I was super insecure. Man, I, man Satan probably thought when I was in college that he had me. Then I'm like, oh, guess what I'm going to do, Satan? I think I'll go into middle school ministry. I think I'll go tell people about Jesus every week. I think I'll go talk to Soma tonight and talk about my insecurities and then Maybe help them so that they can get over their insecurities and they can tell people about Jesus. And then those people who accept Christ will accept Christ and they'll tell other people who accept Christ who will tell other people. And before we know it, a million people have accepted Christ because of my insecurity. Thanks. <laughs> Boom. Take that, Satan. I'm an annoying person. <laughs> I feel like Satan right now is like, hate that guy. <laughs> so, so annoying. Uh, to Satan. Um, in 2 Corinthians 1.4, it says, he comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When others are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. That's the story of the Bible, right? Changed lives, God taking scars in our lives, getting us past that, and then helping other people. That is the story of the Bible. So here's my encouragement for you. You can't escape problems. You can't. If you think that you can go through life and everything's perfect, you're mistaken. Right? In John 16, it says, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I love this part. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Guess what? We're on the winning team. We've already, we, we win. It's awesome. I don't know if you've ever been in a competition where you knew you were going to win. It's the greatest thing ever. 
Let's talk trash, people. Let's talk trash. Right? Let's, let's take our scars, acknowledge them, understand that they hurt, understand that it messes us up for a while. Let's move past it so that we can start making wise choices. All right? You with me? We good? All right. The band's going to come up, and they're going to play one more song, and, and, and I'm going to pray, but here's what I want you to do. When we play this last song, here's what I want you to do. I really want you to focus on a few things. One, I want you to focus on being real with yourself. I want you to really focus on, hey, is there something in your life? Are there, more thi- are there numerous things in your life, scars in your life that you haven't moved past? And I want you to give those over to God, and then I want you to focus on the worship song and saying, hey, God, you know what? You were awesome. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me, and thank you for using me. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for being awesome. And God, thank you so much for, for loving us even, even when we don't deserve it, which is most of the time. And God, I pray for these college students, and God, I pray that you would rock their world, that you would revolutionize their life, that you would take the hurt and the pain in their life, the scars, the anxiety, the insecurities, that God, you would toss that aside, that you would empower them and let them know that you have a plan and a purpose for their life. We love you so much. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.